0: of February to kick off uh, the program. Uh, You all have programs in your seats. Uh, We refer you to them, uh, which we're going to be following that program with with one exception uh, at the outset here, and uh, we'll move through it uh, as printed. Uh, On behalf of the board of uh, directors of the Historical Society and its members, again, welcome to this uh, celebration of, of Black History Month. As you know, uh, many of you know, Black History Month was started by Carter G. Woodson and his organization, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. It was begun in 1926, and while a lot of us tend to think of Black History Month as having begun there, uh, from Carter G. Woodson's standpoint, the process of celebrating black history was actually the culmination of the bringing together of a number of of activities that had been going on for years uh, prior to 1926. So the celebration of Black History uh, Week began in 26 and evolved to Black History Month. One of the interesting points about uh, the beginnings of Black History Week slash month is that Carter G. Woodson had in mind not so much the celebration on a particular day at a particular point in time, but this was sort of a culmination of all these other activities, and his interest was to encourage the study of African American history throughout the year and the teaching of African American history throughout the year. So for us, again, this is a beginning point to launch a year of that process of educating ourselves about the history of African-Americans and our focus of course is particularly the presence of people of African-American descent and, and others uh, of an African descent here in the city and county of San Francisco. With that uh, again in your, and I would also mention uh, just as a point of reference in your program there's a an insert that includes on the back of it the Negro National Anthem, so when we get to that point, for those of many of you who are like me, who mumble on the second and third stanzas, we have it written there so everybody can can sing along when we get to that point. We want to acknowledge the the reality of that. With that, I'd like to ask one of our board members, uh, Ginger Smiley, to come forward to speak about the dedication of this program. Uh, and then she'll be followed by, uh, we'll follow that with the invocation by uh, Pastor uh, Sonia Br- uh, uh, Brunswick. Uh, so, Ginger, if you would, please.
1: Good afternoon. The Society Board resolved to honor our longtime friend and member, Ms. Hilda Robinson, by dedicating the 2024 Black History Month observance to her. We have included a small image of one of her iconic paintings and a brief message in today's print program. Though grieving, Her family was gracious and gave us permission to use that image. Be assured, the size of that image and short message in no way reflects the depth of our respect, honor, and love of our friend and sister, Hilda Robinson. Her daughter, Dr. Ramona Bishop extends greetings and thanks to Mayor London Breed, representatives of the City and County of San Francisco, to the Society Board, and members of the African American Historical and Cultural Society in these words. Thanks for your recognition and warm embrace of my mother as a resident, a member of Jones Memorial, an employee of the old Roos Atkins department store downtown, and member artist exhibitor of the African American Historical and Cultural Society. The family is forever changed, but is basking, basking in the memories of a life well lived. We are arranging her art into collections and figuring out our next steps as we know her desire was to bring joy to as many people as possible through her work. We too are forever changed, having known her all these many years. Hilda, a lifelong artist, who started painting at the age of three till the day she died, 95. She was best known for her paintings, but she was also a dancer, a singer, and she enjoyed all forms of music, performance, literature, and on and on in the arts. Her paintings reflect the richness and joy of black life in bright colors, poses, and settings. In Hilda's art, we see ourselves. It was fitting to celebrate her this year as Hilda and her body of work epitomize the 2024 Black History Month theme of African Americans and the arts. Thank you.
2: Good afternoon, I want to invite you, if you would, to bow your hearts with me as we approach the throne of grace. Gracious Father in heaven, eternal God of all creation and King of the ages, Lord of all and God, the ancient of days, we honor and praise your name today for your loving kindness and your truth, your tender mercies. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day that we cried out to you, you answered and made your people bold with strength in our souls. As we gather together to remember and celebrate the lives and the contributions of those who came before us, Lord, we invoke your presence in this place and we ask that, you above all would be honored and glorified even in our remembrance, even in our ponderance, understanding that then as is now, that you live in us and in you we live, we move, and we have our very being. Without you, we could do nothing. And so, Lord, we look back over the ages of our stories in this land and our land and thank you that we've sown in tears and you've allowed us to reap countless harvests of joy, joy that confounds the enemy of our soul. And we were pruned in pain, but, Lord, it was by your Spirit you manifested a power in us that still mystifies our foes to this day. Gracious Father, for every wound, we ask for complete healing. For every struggle, we thank you for supernatural strength. For every injustice, we thank you that you weigh the balances as the sovereign judge and will bring justice for the oppressed. Though you are no respective person, you do require of us that we do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before you. To the sound of the alarm of righteousness, Lord, we sing the song of the faithful, and we fight the battle for love, truth, and freedom. Lord, we invite your presence to confront, to comfort us as we remember Strengthen us to carry the light of your gospel of salvation, the ministry of reconciliation, and the treasure of restoration through your Son, Jesus Christ. And for your glory and our gain, your kingdom come, and your will be done, right here on earth as it is in heaven. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, and to present us faultless before the presence of your glory, O God. With exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, and majesty, and dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. In Your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, Minister. So, would y'all, please rise, and uh, we're we'll singing the Negro National Anthem, led by Thea Rose.
3: Sing the rising sun of our new days begun. Let us march on till victory is won.
0: It's our custom and nutrition also have words of wisdom and insight and guidance from our mayor to come forward and talk, uh, give us a talk about where we are, where we need to go and what we're gonna do. And we're delighted to have Mayor London Breed, who gets things done, to come up and share a few words with us.
4: Good afternoon, everybody. This is a kickoff to Black History Month in San Francisco. Let's act like we're at an HBCU during homecoming. And why is that so significant? Well, earlier today, I was just across the street at the War Memorial Building where we are welcoming HBCUs, Historically Black Colleges and Universities, from the South and the East Coast to San Francisco with a partnership between some of our local universities, including University of San Francisco, UCSF, and others, Well, they are where they are providing housing and classroom space and also an opportunity to not only support students from these institutions, but an opportunity to make sure that black kids in this city have a chance to participate or to be involved in learning more about the significance of these universities and what they meant for generations to the African-American community. As we kick off Black History Month, I am really excited to be here today because there are so many events, activities, and programs. Yes, we will have fun and there will be celebrations, including a big celebration here tonight after a day full of events, activities, and programs with none other than Dee Nice, who's going to be DJing in City Hall. Because when we're doing the work, we know that the need to come together and to socialize and to bring everyone together in the community is also important. Now, this year's theme centers around the arts, and I know that an amazing Bay Area artist, Hilda Robinson, will be recognized today for her beautiful, colorful, extraordinary artistry. I had a chance to work with and know Hilda when I served as the executive director of the African American Art and Culture Complex she would always participate in the Art of Living Balak, which was an exhibit that was at the African-American Art and Culture Complex at the Fort Mason and other places throughout the Bay Area. So it is so great to see so many of you here who have that arts connection, and you'll be hearing from our Director of Cultural Affairs for San Francisco, Ralph Remington, in just a little bit. But I wanna take this opportunity to really appreciate people like Dr. Hoskins and Al Williams and the African American Historical Society. It's one thing to put on an event, it's another thing to be consistent in the work that's important to recognize and preserve African American history and culture in San Francisco. And in terms of talking about all of the things in our history and and recognizing how far we come, There are some things that I just want to highlight today because in looking out at this audience, it does not go unnoticed on me that this city is being run by black people. And when I say this city is being run by black people, it's not just the work I do as mayor and the shoulders I stand on as the second African American to represent this community in this office, but it doesn't go unnoticed to me that we have a black police chief and a black district attorney and black leaders in the fire department and a black woman leading the commission on the status of women So many of our commissioners and our leaders and I appreciate your leadership and your support and to our various elected leaders from the Board of Supervisors as well as our city attorney and our city administrator, those of you who are joining us here today, thank you so much for your work, thank you for your advocacy and thank you for your support of the African American community in San Francisco. You know, people constantly talk about this community in a way that reflects what we don't have. Well, San Francisco has the smallest African-American population. We have gone from at the height in the 1970s to over 13% of the population to now here in 2024 to less than a 6% African-American population. But I'm the type of person that doesn't see the glass half empty, I see it half full. With the work that we have done around the Dream Keeper Initiative, where San Francisco has made a tremendous investment of over $60 million each year, based on a lot of the challenges and disparities that exist in this community, we are finally starting to see progress. We are seeing progress where people who were born and raised, black people in the city and county of San Francisco, have the chance to purchase their own homes in the place that they grew up. That wouldn't happen if it were not for the Dream Keeper Initiative, where we are seeing new businesses, people including a friend of mine who was selling clothes out of the trunk of his car in the Safeway parking lot, now has his own establishment, third and Newcomb in that area along the Bayview-Hunters Point community. Those businesses were shuttered for years, and now there are a lot of incredible businesses there that are growing, that are thriving, because of the investments that we are making with the Dream Keeper Initiative. We are seeing investments in many of our nonprofit organizations. And just what we talked about, what I talked about earlier, with the possibility of bringing an historically black college to the West Coast right here in San Francisco. This work is transformative, this work is important. And this is work that I will not give up on in order to move the African American community here in San Francisco forward. I wanna express again my appreciation to each and every one of you for joining us here today for all your extraordinary work, but let's not just celebrate Black History Month today and the month of February, let's make sure it's the highlight of our conversation, 365 days a year and 366 on leap year. There'll be a whole bunch of other activities from City Hall to the Bayview to Lakeview to Fillmore and to a lot of neighborhoods throughout San Francisco where there'll be activities. Please take a moment to participate in those activities and make sure that you tag, hashtag, we love San Francisco when you post all of those things so people can know about the great things happening in our city as well and finally, on behalf of the City and County of San Francisco. I want to recognize the work of the Historical Society for so many years. And as we kick off this month, today we are going to officially acknowledge the month of February in the City and County of San Francisco as Black History Month in our city. Thank you.
0: Let's give the mayor another round of applause. Thank you, Madam Mayor. You know, one of the things that, that uh, before Fia comes forward and, and gives us a little bit of an interlude here with another number, just to mention, the, the, we talk about the history and the long history. I, was, I happened to be uh, looking at something the other day on, on, uh, on the internet. And uh, it reminded me that the African-American presence in San Francisco is not a new phenomenon. It's something that has gone on for a long, long time. And the Historical Society is documented as the lineal descendant of what was called the Anthonyum Literary Society. The literary, Anthonyum Literary Society was an institution created by people of African-Americans back in the 1800s uh, and it was one of the first lending libraries established in the city and county of san francisco that tied in with the fact that a significant part of that african-american population moved to and populated victoria british columbia and in british columbia Black History Month is celebrated every year in in February as a result of complimenting those descendants of San Franciscans who moved there at that time. So there's a long, long history of uh, African-American presence and contribution here. And with that, I'd like to ask Fia, if you'd come and give us another song, please.
5: Hello there. Um, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, uh, I, I actually have the pleasure of seeing an original song of mine, which is beautiful that it, it happens to be on, you know, African American and art and creation. Uh, this song is about dreams, and I know that a huge part of at least my Black experience is built upon the dreams that my, you know, all of my ancestors had to even get me here today, and. Um, And I know that every step I take is with the dream that I have for my children and my children's children and to continue on just to build up and just just positive attributes that we can um, create with with art and with the joy that we have. So um, I'm going to sing you a little bit about my dream for me, for my life and for my children's life.
3: kiss me Mm -hmm. I hope it lingers on my I've got a day secrets like lullabies. My baby and me We're looking over the life That we created I turn and see They're watching me A tear forms down my face They brush it away And place a kiss in its place And I know I've got a day
0: be remiss if I didn't remind everybody that the keyboardist is Spear's father, Lewis Hinton. It's the father-daughter duo doing that great work for us. Okay, hey, it's time to turn to the, to the meat of the day, and that's our keynote speaker, Ralph Remington, the Director of Cultural Affairs here in the city. Ralph was appointed Director of Cultural Affairs Uh, for the San Francisco Art Commission in January 2021 by Mayor London Breed. He has extensive professional experiences in in arts administration and government, and is a director, actor, essayist, playwright, and screenwriter. Prior to joining the Art Commission, uh, Ralph served as Deputy Director of Arts and Culture for the city of Tempe, Arizona, and was responsible for Tempe, Center of the Arts, Comprehensive Performance and Visual Art Programming, overseeing public art, the Tempe Histo- History Museum, Arts Engagement, and Municipal Arts. Of course, his bio goes on and on uh, with ma- major accomplishments. One thing I will point out in keeping with uh, Mayor Breed's comments and about the HBCU activity going on here, that uh, Ralph, while well, he was born in Philadelphia and holds a bachelor's of arts degree from Howard University. It's you. Now, we had a little chat just before this came up. See, I'm an alumnus of Florida A&M University, and we happened to beat Howard last year in the national championship, but I still, still love him. Let's give Ralph a round of applause and come up for talk.
6: We started from the bottom, now we're here. We started from the bottom, now the whole world up in here. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes you wonder how I keep them going under. Two years ago, a friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhymes. So I said this rhyme I'm about to say. The rhyme was deaf, but then it went this way. Greetings, everyone. Those were the lyrics of Drake, Melly Mel, of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and Run DMC, three black hip hop legends. Today, I want to provide some reflections on the immense contributions African Americans have made to the arts in this country, often in the face of tremendous adversity. The influence of black artists, musicians, writers, and performers on American culture is undeniable. Our stories, songs, and innovations have shaped the very fabric of this nation. From the days of slavery when our ancestors crafted poetry and music that gave voice to their suffering, to the explosion of African-American art during the Harlem Renaissance that celebrated our humanity, to the birth of jazz, blues, rock and roll, and hip hop that changed music forever. And now the paintings of our Black visual artists like Kahindi Wally, Jordan Castile, and Jean-Michel Basquiat fetch some of the highest prices in the world. And yet, the gift of Black art has not come without a cost. Our artists have continually confronted the forces of racism and oppression that seek to limit the creations and deny our full expression. Figures like Paul Robeson, Nina Simone, Josephine Baker, Sidney Poitier, and countless others found so much of their work banned or boycotted simply for touching on the truth of the black experience. Even legendary writers like James Baldwin, Amiri Baraka, and Richard Wright, who exposed the ugly reality of racism in America through their writing, often found themselves marginalized or forced into exile abroad because their commentary was so threatening. Their insights into the black condition and what James Baldwin called the fire next time resonate as deeply today as ever. The same is true of our other pioneers like Langston Hughes and W. V. Du Bois, Maya Angelou, Tupac Shakur, August Wilson, and so many others who use the arts to advance justice and change hearts and minds. Their perspectives became a threat precisely because of their profound impact. So when we celebrate the incredible contributions African Americans have made to music, film, dance, poetry, theater, and visual arts, we must do so with the full knowledge that this required perseverance and courage in the face of injustice. And we ca- as we carry this artistic legacy forward, we must continue to foster truth-telling, celebrate our history, and cultivate a new generation of black artists. Our stories and culture remain just as critical to moving America forward today. We currently live in dark and troubled times. We live in a country that seemingly wants to continue denying our existence and act as if black Americans are a culture of takers when nothing could be further from the truth. We have consistently given to this country, whether in times of war where we served courageously or fighting for the civil rights of all people through the civil rights movement, women's liberation movement, labor movement, the LGBTQ movement, or during our recent COVID pandemic, where black healthcare workers, essential workers, and emergency responders literally laid their lives on the line every day to save others. Our major cities in the United States are literally powered by black and brown civil servants who quietly go about the work of trying to make people's lives better. And where would he have been during the pandemic without our artists bringing joy to our homes through Netflix, YouTube, and various other streamers? That's art. That's what we did. And what are the thanks that we get to that? What do we get for it? We are told by some that slavery was a good thing, and we should be grateful. We are told that our history is not important enough to be taught to white children because they may get their feelings hurt. The term indoctrination is used loosely and inappropriately to justify the marriage of white America to ignorance. James Baldwin once said, I think the artist is a disturber of the peace. I think the artist is a disturber of the peace because he is produced by the people because the people need him. The people may not like him, they may stone him, but they need him. His sole responsibility is to bear witness to and for the people who produced him. This is the responsibility of the artist, to bear witness in the face of overwhelming odds. But there are costs attached to such commitment. It's no secret that many of our black artists have died in the pursuit of the truth or because knowing the truth became impossible to bear. Many black artists have turned to drugs and alcohol for a momentary respite from the pain, a break from all of the madness. When one lives in a world that persistently degrades and destructs oneself for being their whole entire selves, who could blame them? As the Bay Area band Green Day once put it, there's nothing wrong with me. This is how I'm supposed to be in a land of make-believe that don't believe in me. I am heartbroken because some of our greatest artists like Prince and Michael Jackson are no longer with us. Prince had a large footprint, larger than Michael Jackson's in my opinion. Michael was to Prince what Elvis was to the Beatles. Michael and Elvis were consummate entertainers and artists in their own right. However, Prince and the Beatles were artists on another level. They showed us parts of ourselves that we didn't know existed. Prince played with androgyny and racial identity in a way that no black artist had done before. Unlike Michael Jackson, he never denied his blackness, but instead embraced it and showed us another angle. He did it with his music and his unapologetic romantic choices. He took it out and swung it around for all to see, playing it like a virtuoso. Prior to Prince, only white rock stars had played so boldly with identity. David Bowie particularly comes to mind, Elton John to a lesser extent, glam rockers and the list goes on. Even the Stones played with it, but brothers didn't really go there. Not in that way. Little Richard and Sylvester perhaps, but still. Prince was a mashup of James Brown, Jimi Hendrix, Carlos Santana, Clapton, Little Richard, David Bowie, Sly Stone, Jackie Wilson, Mozart and many more rolled into one. Prince was perhaps the first Postmodern black rock star. He came from a generation that was finally free to see blackness differently than the way we were raised to perceive it in the various urban jungles and rural enclaves across the country. In a way, this is nothing new. Jimi Hendrix did it so long ago to become arguably the, the greatest guitarist ever. Prince's talents for racial deconstruction are legendary. The film Purple Rain was a literal celebratory orgy of black deconstruction. And perhaps one could say that life in the Midwest or various other black cultural outposts helped to a gender deconstruction affinity. As a black artist in Minneapolis and now here in San Francisco, I've often felt as if I lived a life in exile. Having been born and raised in the black streets of West Philly, I was in the thick of it. Anything could pop off at any time. He was shot. He was arrested. She got raped. He robbed the liquor store. That white boy caught me in it. You were always ready and armed to go, ready for battle. That's just the way black life was in the cold wilderness of North America on the East Coast. Then when I was stationed abroad in Europe as a soldier in the US Army, I learned that life didn't have to be mired in race and friction. Race didn't have to dominate one's existence. In America, I was black first and American second. In Europe, I was American first and black was the cherry on top. Europe showed me life outside of the forest for I was so deeply entrenched in the poisonous racial cauldron of America that I couldn't see the trees. I was never the same again. After returning from Europe, I realized why I always felt out of place. The streets of Philly conspired to give little black boys and girls a constricted view of the world. There was no possibility of intellectual interrogation or deconstruction. There was only survival, racial and literal. I suspect Jimi Hendrix realized this, as did Jay-Z and Tina Turner, Romar Bearden, Ertha Kitt, Miles Davis, Chuck Berry, And a host of others. The potential altitude gained by blacks in this country is commensurate with our collective ability to break through boundaries of racial demarcation and identification. That is freedom. Breaking out of boxes that have been prescribed for us and crafting our own identities. White America responds to a deconstructed black image because it doesn't present itself as an angry narrative. One can be pro-black while not being anti-white and at the same time not hate one's own black self. I think in the end, I realized, like the author Isabel Wilkins wrote, that what we are experiencing in this country is too complex to be summarized simply as racism. We have been contained in a caste system. According to Wikipedia, a caste is a fixed social group into which an individual is born within a particular system of social stratification, a caste system. Within such a system, individuals are expected to marry exclusively within the same caste, a practice known as endogamy, follow lifestyles often linked to a particular occupation, hold a ritual status observed within a hierarchy, and interact with others based on cultural notions of exclusion. The same system that oppressed the Dalits in India and the Jews in Nazi Germany, as well as the blacks in South Africa during apartheid. In fact, the Nazis learned their practices and philosophies from the U.S. and our country's Jim Crow system of caste and racial subordination. Think about that for a minute. The Nazis learned their stuff from us. If you haven't seen it, I would highly encourage you to watch the film Origin by Ava DuVernay where she illustrates the points made by Isabel Wilkerson in her aptly titled New York Times bestseller cast. You will be stunned. Arts and culture are subversive. The arts subvert cast because it holds a mirror up to the commonality of our humanity, enabling us to experience intense sensations of joy, sorrow, pain, and reflection. Black America has turned our containerized existence within caste into a culture that is emulated and idolized throughout the world. During times of segregation, the sounds of Motown blared out of white household windows. The same white people who were upholding segregation were listening to Diana Ross and The Supremes, or The Temptations, or The Four Tops, or The Spinners, or Nat King Cole, or watching Bill Cosby on TV when he starred in I Spy in the 60s. Over time, it is very difficult for racists to hold on to an idea that dehumanizes black people when black folks bring them so much joy in other areas, be they arts or sports. At some point, the reflective individual knows that there are no real differences between human beings. Most of white America lives in segregation. White people have the privilege of being able to live their whole entire lives without coming into contact with people of color on a regular basis. Most black folks must have some sort of facility with white people in order to traverse socioeconomic boundaries. Art is the connective tissue that binds us all together. Art has helped black America to make it make sense. I remember a day when we hardly saw images of ourselves in popular media. When I grew up, there were only three channels on TV. CBS, NBC, and ABC. I'm sure some of y'all remember that. When a black person appeared on television, you know what would happen. Everybody would call all the neighbors, black person on TV! And we all turned on our respective sets, and we watched a background dancer or a comedian or an actor uh, from a new film getting interviewed. But for the most part, we grew up in segregation. When I was a kid, only two black people had ever won an Oscar. Hattie McDaniel for playing a maid, Mammy, Gone with the Wind in 1939, and Sidney Poitier for playing a handyman, Homer Homer Smith in Lilies of the Field in 1963. Both roles portrayed blacks in service to white people. Since then, black artists like Denzel Washington, Holly Berry, Louis Gossett Jr., Whoopi Goldberg, Forrest Whitaker, Cuba Gooding Jr., Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, Jamie Foxx, Regina King, Will Smith, Lupita Nyong'o, Daniel Kaluuya, Mahershala Ali, and Ariana DeBose have gone on to win Oscars for acting. That is progress. We've also won Oscars in many non-acting areas, and many more have won Grammys, Tonys, Emmys, you name it. The first black woman lead that I can remember on a TV series was Diane Carroll, playing a nurse on Julia. That was appointment television. Some of y'all may be too young to remember that. But then of course there was All in the Family, The Jeffersons, Good Times, Sanford and Son, on screen, there was Richard Pryor, Louis Gossett Jr., James Earl Jones, you know Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier, but I would be remiss in the spirit of Chinese New Year and the Year of the Dragon if I didn't mention the idol of every black boy in my neighborhood, Bruce Lee. While Bruce, one black, yeah, Bruce Lee, San Francisco's own. While Bruce wasn't black, he was Chinese. You couldn't tell us that. We all had Bruce Lee posters on our walls. We saw every Bruce Lee film that came out. Chinese Connection, Fist of Fury, Return of the Dragon, The Big Boss, Enter the Dragon. We were there. Front row center, watching Bruce Lee do his thing. We didn't recognize the difference between Bruce Lee and who we were. We knew deep down that Bruce was othered in a similar way that we were othered. We saw ourselves in Bruce Lee, in his struggles to break into a field that made it very clear that just like us, he was not welcome. And in the absence of very few role models of color, Bruce Lee filled a huge void for all of us to, 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 to model. And even without a developed racial analysis, we little black kids knew that he was our people too. Bruce Lee and martial arts films even influenced the birth of the legendary hip-hop gang, the hip-hop group the Wu-Tang Clan, in 1993. In this Year of the Dragon, Bruce Lee's Chinese zodiac sign, we would do well to remember that history amidst all of the anti-Asian hate that is stoked by white supremacist culture. President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama knew the importance of art. Never before have we seen such an amazing procession of black artists perform at the White House as we witnessed over the eight years of their tenure. And now it's award season again. And while watching the various award shows, I found myself reflecting on all the years that black people weren't even allowed in these spaces. White people were free to enjoy a a segregated arts world where they called themselves the best and yet black people weren't even allowed to compete with them. So white folks were essentially graded on a curve. And, we, you know, and when we were finally allowed to compete, we started winning awards previously confined to whiteness. We saw this very same dynamic play out in professional sports. Before blacks integrated white baseball, we were regarded as inferior. But now we couldn't imagine baseball, basketball, the NFL, or even golf or tennis without recognizing black excellence. In fact, I want you for a a second to just try to imagine a world without jazz, rock and roll, the blues, gospel, R&B, country, hip hop, and rap. That's what the world would look like without the contributions of black artists in it, a world without those art forms. And now, politically and culturally, we we must lean into our rich history to find the strength and fortitude to continue to rise. Culture is what defines us. Culture signals to the world who we are. Culture tells us who we were, who we are, and who we aspire to be. And that's why culture wars are such a powerful political tool. If you allow them to destroy your culture and erase the contributions you have made and rewrite history, they will silence and destroy you. So while we have come far, there is still much more work to do to ensure that our culture and our art is not lost or forgotten. Standing before you is the proud product of Howard University, HBCU. I am proud to serve as your first black director of cultural affairs at the San Francisco Arts Commission in its 92 year existence. Since I started in 2021, we have invested over $18.4 million in support of black artists, arts organizations and cultural centers. That is unprecedented and makes me proud. It makes me proud to live, work, and assist fellow artists to thrive in such an amazing city like San Francisco that has shown its commitment in helping the arts blossom. I would like to take a moment to thank our wonderful mayor, Mayor London Breed, our arts mayor, for her continued dedication and leadership in support of arts and culture. I literally would not be in my role without her. So let's give it up. In addition, I'd like to thank our dedicated staff that make all of our work possible, as well as the commissioners of the San Francisco Arts Commission, led by President Chuck Collins, who, there he is right there. I'd like to thank all of our arts and cultural workers in San Francisco, from independent artists to nonprofit arts organizations to community-based culture bearers and everyone in between. Thanks for all the vibrancy, joy, and life that you bring to our great city. I'd like to thank Al Williams and the San Francisco African American Historical and Cultural Society for inviting me to speak here today. And so with that, I, I wanna leave you with this. In a dark and troubled era, art and culture is the ultimate form of resistance. Art should disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. We do this not only for ourselves, but for the benefit of society as a whole, just as our ancestors did. For it is impossible to tell the story of America as a whole without acknowledging and honoring the creative genius, passion, and resilience of the African-American artists. Arts and culture saves lives, it saved mine. Our voice is American culture. I just wanna thank you for joining me in honoring this legacy as we continue the work of building a more just and equitable future for the arts and for all people. Please enjoy Black History Month, thank you.
0: Thank you Ralph, thank you so much. We're a little bit over time. I know people gotta get back to other things they gotta do, we have one more number that uh, Thea is gonna do for us. Uh, can we shorten it a little bit? We got one number and then we're out here. I'd like to thank all the public officials who took the time to be with us this afternoon, uh, as well and all the audience. It's been a great afternoon. The, uh, the Historical Society is a membership based institution and on the back of your, and uh, insert of your program is a membership form. We'd encourage everybody to become members of the society. We need more people to be involved and help us do things like this program. So, and we have a membership table over here that you can check in as well. So thank you all very much for being here. Thea, if you would, take us out. Birds flying high, you know
3: how I feel. And ooh I'm feeling good Mm -hmm. River running free. You know how I feel fish in the sea. A new day it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good Dragonfly out in the sun. You know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies done that's what I mean this old world is a new world and a bold world